What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual convo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to Drunk Dietitians. Sam and I had a really awesome guest on today, somebody that we both know separately through the lovely world of social media and um, got to interview today about a pretty cool transition. So today we interviewed Bonnie now I'm going to mess it up. Bonnie Roney. Yes, Roney. 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 You got it. I met on Instagram when her hat, when her handle was low carb dot nutritionist and she has transformed like the beautiful butterfly into diet culture rebel. And we got to really ask her the why behind that and hear the story behind it. And I don't know about you, Sam, but it was really powerful to just hear the similarities between her story and so many other people that we've spoken to and our own. Yeah. I think <laughs> That's one thing I felt like very connected to her because I felt like I have a kind of similar story to her in the transition. But I think for dietitians in training or dietitians now that feel stuck in diet culture, because I know I get a ton of messages about this and people don't know how to break free. She did, you know, she had 16,000 followers when she was at low carb nutritionist or whatever it was. And so now looking at how she pivoted that and said, no, like I'm not standing for weight loss anymore. I believe in intuitive eating and this is why that's huge. And so I, yeah, I truly enjoyed, um, today's podcast and I think it's going to be an amazing episode for so many people to listen to. It's so relatable on so many different levels. And I think that she's so clearly comfortable with what she's doing now. And it's an inspiration for anybody that's having those same feelings of like, this doesn't feel like it honors the true me in whatever that is. Right. And like taking that step and just, again, being confident in it, AF in it. And she used the word authentic a lot. And I think that's a big theme of what this episode is really about. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, guys. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome back to Drunk Dietitians. I'm super excited. Today we have Bonnie Roney here. Did I say it right? Yes, you <laughs> yes, did. Yes. Um, and it's funny because Sammy and I both know Bonnie for different reasons through Instagram connections, um, as we know most people on here, right? Um, but it's funny because we've been following you, Bonnie, from, for a while and you have transformed Beautiful Butterfly and yeah. we're super excited to talk about all things transformation with you and hear just more about you and your really powerful story. Reading through it before this episode, I was really blown away by just your ability to share so much about yourself. And I'm excited for all of our readers, listeners to hear that as well. Um, But Sammy's going to kick it off with a little rapid fire. So take it away. All right. 
Yes. So we like to, of course, you know, we feel like we know so much about you through your Instagram, um, which is always so creepy. Like, I feel like when we have guests, I'm like, oh yeah, I know you have a dog. I know you have a husband. Like, I know you do this. But anyways, um, so we want to get to know you just like quick little stuff. Um, so we're going to do a little rapid fire round with you. So are you ready? ready. I am. Let's do this. All right. Ready? Wine or beer? Oh, wine. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Tequila or vodka? Vodka. Vodka. Snow or sand? Sand. Okay. Moment of truth. <laughs> Crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Smooth peanut butter. Yes. <laughs> Can I ask why? Like, what is the reasoning behind that? I'm I you. have no idea. <laughs> it's just what I want more often. Like, I'll still eat crunchy, but the times that I want crunchy peanut butter are so rare. I don't have a reason. That's Sam, it. I That's have like such a divide about this. Like, yeah. it's such a big divide. But all right, another one for you. Yeah, another yeah, one for me. Like, everyone that comes on, we're like, wait, what's going on? Those all are right. good questions. Really okay. good questions. <laughs> so our last question here is, if you could have one thing for the rest of your life in limitless quantities, but it cannot be money, what would it be? That is a really hard question. And... <laughs> I think I'm only going to answer this because I just saw Jenna take a sip of her coffee and it looked like it had frothed milk or something in it. And I love my frothed milk. <laughs> I would have to say that because I drink it every single day in my coffee. <laughs> That's a great answer that nobody's given us coffee yet, which I'm really surprised. We've gotten sleep. That was one, which kind that of, big one. that's <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's a great one too. That's awesome. We are absolutely coffee lovers on here. And I'm so I think that is a great <laughs> And Great since it answer. is Monday and it is, I don't know, it just feels like a real Monday today. I have CBD in my coffee oh, for our fancy. little happy hour. Um, I know Sam <laughs> likes to spike hers with some special things too, but yeah, today my, my spike of choice coffee. is CBD. I like it. <laughs> Jenna I might like fall, how you ladies roll. Jenna might fall asleep on this podcast today. We'll see. <laughs> no, I need, right. to know, I need to know some of these answers because honest to God, now one of the questions, so we have an intern, two interns who got a really awesome bio on you. Um, and one of the things that they wrote down is that wheat beers are some of your favorite things to drink, right? Which is, I'm a huge beer drinker. Like Same. I love beer. I know Sam does too, but I'm just going to go right into it. You know, when your Instagram name was low carb dot Bonnie, were you still drinking wheat beers? Yeah, I definitely was drinking <laughs> wheat beers. My name was uh, very confusing, and that's a past life I like to forget about. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we both have, we all have them. Um, I think that that's kind of really what is the most exciting thing to me about just like watching dietitians change and like grow into like their own knowing. I know Sam did this first, and she inspired me mm -hmm. into being more clear about mine. And, you know, can you tell us a little bit about yours? Yeah, so um, it's true. Several, well, I'm not sure quite how long ago, maybe a year or so ago. Um, when I first got into the Instagram space, I did call myself low carb nutritionist, and it was very misinterpreted. Um, you know, everyone thought it was keto, and it was very far from that. And I really, you know, I didn't know much about intuitive eating and food freedom because I didn't learn about it in college. And so my, my big introduction to it was when I got into the Instagram space. So I started to learn more about it and I read intuitive eating. And after that, I knew that I really couldn't keep giving the message that I was giving. Um, you know, I just had so many past experiences with 
women in my family who have had a bad relationship with food and myself. And I just felt like I was contributing to the problem versus helping it. Um, and I really have Instagram to thank for that because it really exposed me to so much more about the dietetics profession that I really didn't know about until I got on Instagram and started to connect with so many other dietitians in the food freedom and intuitive eating field. That's huge. And I know I can relate a lot to your story. Um, you know, our handle didn't have the word low carb in it, but I think a lot of dietitians grow up in this diet culture rooted space where we learn, like we have classes on weight management and we have, you know, mm-hmm. we have like, like certifications. Classes. Yeah, <laughs> right. I got, I got a certification on weight management. I literally ripped it up and threw it away the other day. Cause I was like, I don't want this. Um, it feels good. Yeah. Like it's horse shit. So, um, (laughs) but, but really I think, you know, being able to learn and grow from that. And I think it's, I think if anything, it makes you stronger to be like, Hey, I, and I know Christy Harrison talks about this a lot, but she says dietitians who hear the message and choose to ignore it. She's really big on calling that out because when we, we say we're science-based and then when we look at the science, we look at the research and we look at all this and we continue Mm -hmm. to ignore it. It's, I don't want to say a problem, but kind of a problem. Um, and there's another podcast I want to put in our show notes, um, that Fiona Sutherland and Fiona Willer did about, they literally study dietitians. And I think you two would find this really interesting. They study dietitians across the board and what they know about intuitive eating, what they've been exposed to. And similar to what Bonnie said, like no one really knows about it because they don't teach it in school, which is just crazy. I think that the intuitive eating space now, Bonnie, are you now intuitive eating based practice? That's what you do? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's interesting too, because a lot of people use that word, right? And Sam, we've talked about this, that like those (laughs) hashtags are protected for a reason, because there are some people hashtagging intuitive eating and not practicing the 10 principles and really Mm -hmm. confusing the message to even to dietitians that are not intuitive eating certified to understand what it means, right? I think that that's really, it's still very confusing, but I think Sammy in your newsletter this past week, you sent out that like one of the top quote unquote trends of 2020 is for this more intuitive eating based, you know, mindset and practice. And I hope that that brings in this amazing year, you know, more awareness to it. But was that something you struggled with when you were kind of changing over your, just the way that you approach nutrition? I'm trying to think of a good answer for that. (laughs) Uh, Could you reframe like your exact question there? Like where you got your information on what it is and like how you can then like help people understand what it is. Cause even to me, like Sammy's taught me most of what intuitive eating is. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So that is a really good question. So I, I remember listening to the audio book. I do a lot of driving for my full-time job. So I downloaded it and I was like, you know, I'm going to see what all the hype is about this, see what it's about. It's probably just fluff. And so I listened to it and I probably listened to it to the audiobook maybe three times because it was so interesting and I do spend so much time in the car I was like <laughs> why not listen to it um and then I ended up buying the physical copy and I read that so I learned a lot just from reading the book multiple times listening to it multiple times um and getting the intuitive eating workbook um, but also studying other dietitians instagrams who specialize in intuitive eating because they put out so much great information that really helped me learn as well um and I have to 
taken a few courses, um, mostly eating disorder courses, just because a lot of the clients I work with have very disordered eating habits. Um, and, you know, intuitive eating was talked about uh, briefly in there as well. So I had exposure from, from a course there that helped me out a lot. But I would say that those um, three things, so the intuitive eating book, the workbook, and then, you know, continuing education courses that I've taken to work with my clients have all really helped um, ingrain all the knowledge that I need to help my clients. Yeah. I think that's great. And I think for anyone listening, I just want to make it very, very clear because I think this sometimes gets skewed. And Jen, I know you kind of were just saying this, but on Instagram, you'll see like people say like intuitive eating in their bio. And then like a line under that is like, help women lose weight. I'm like, right. hold up. <laughs> so for right. anyone listening who's never heard about intuitive eating, intuitive eating has is supposed to be uncoupled from changing your body. So that doesn't mean that if you do intuitive eating that your body won't lose weight. It doesn't mean that you will gain weight. It doesn't mean you'll stay the same. The the whole thing is that we're uncoupling the idea from trying to change your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one thing that that's my biggest fear as this year continues on is that yeah. it's going to be turned into intuitive eat to lose weight. And that's and not I- what it is. Yeah, I think that dietitians really need to stay strong in what they believe in when it comes to this, because when I was first pivoting um, and, you know, new to my virtual private practice, I felt desperate for clients. And so many of the women that I had discovery call with, calls with who were interested in working with me, they wanted to lose weight. And mm-hmm. at first I was like, how do I approach this? You know, um, because I feel like you can feel tempted to, to sell it like that at first, because, you know, you do want to get more clients. You want to build your business. And and it's taken really a progression of me totally transitioning, understanding what intuitive eating is so much more and building my confidence and my approach and teaching what I truly believe in to stick to, to stick to it and, um, you know, not teach it in a wrong way. And that's something that I've really been able to work through recently, but it is a fear that I have that other dietitians might not because, you know, it's hard because most women do want to lose weight. Um, But I do think that there's a really great way to approach that topic with leads and now that I've shifted my response to them and I really explain what I do, they sound so understanding. And it, I almost get like a, a sigh of relief when they hear that they don't need to try and lose weight. They're like, wait, this is, this is nice. Yeah. It's like a, a freedom. And I think yeah. it's, it's not, you know, with intuitive eating, it's not that you can't say the word weight. Like I think sometimes when people call and talk with us, they're like afraid to talk about weight. I'm like, you can talk about your weight. You can talk about not being comfortable in your body or that it's changed or whatnot, but we're just not going to put you on a scale like Weight Watchers and clap every time a pound goes down. Like that's not the goal. So, um, but I think, yeah. And I think people being like, oh, health isn't defined by the size of my body. It's like a mind blowing thing to people because- Mm -hmm unfortunately we live in a weight centric culture and it's going to take time to shift, but I think it's amazing the work that you're doing. What's been the biggest challenge like in your progression? I've had a lot of challenges. <laughs> we all do. We're right there. With you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Let me try. I think the biggest challenge for me personally, and a really big reason why I didn't make this shift earlier on is because it's so personal. My story is very personal, but my story stemmed from my upbringing and I've had so many women in my family who just had a terrible relationship with food. And I felt in order to really connect on my page, I needed to share some of those stories. And Mm. I felt worried about, you know, what my immediate family would think of me sharing those stories that are so personal, you know, to my mom, especially. 
So that was a very big challenge. And I think that if I would have been able to overcome that earlier, I would have been in this space a long time ago. Because when I became a dietitian, I really wanted to help women improve their relationship with food. But I got scared because it's hard to talk about things you've struggled with, and especially things that your family members have struggled with, because it's just awkward to talk about that and have your family members listening in on it. Um, so I would say that that has been my biggest struggle, but I, I really believe that it's been for the best for my family because I've noticed that just the way some family members um, that I have think and feel about food now has changed. You know, the way they comment about food and um, act at the dinner table, it's, it's really been amazing uh, to see that. Yeah. That's amazing. That's like, so powerful. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I think so many people can relate to that of like being vulnerable is so hard, but being vulnerable is so courageous in the same breath. And it helps so many people. If you don't mind sharing with us like a little bit, uh, you know, it's totally up to you of what you feel safe sharing, but just a little bit about your story for our listeners. Yeah, so I'm really comfortable with my story at this point. Um, but growing up as a young girl, my grandma, she struggled with anorexia in and out. So I have memories of being really young and my mom yelling at her to try and get her to eat more. And it was, there was just so much stress in my family because she always got to like a scary low weight where she'd have to go to the hospital or do something like that. And then my aunt had bulimia and then she actually ended up passing away when I was about 14. And I really do attribute her passing to feeling depressed from her eating disorder because, you know, that plays a really big role in, yeah. in depression. And so th those were pretty, two pretty dramatic experiences that I had from childhood into my early teen years. Um, and their behaviors felt so normal that I adopted them myself. Uh, I never had an official eating disorder, but I struggled a lot. And that's really what kind of brought me to where I am now. Um, after I was able to recover, you know, I saw that my siblings were really concerned about me. So that kind of led me on my, my journey to finding food freedom and overcoming my struggles. But those are really, really big uh, family experiences that I would say I had that make the work that I do today so, you know, powerful. And it makes me so passionate about what I do. Granted, I don't work with eating disorder um, yeah. clients, but I do believe that the work I do helps prevent eating disorders, which makes me feel, you know, really fulfilled with what I'm doing. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> I know. Being able to, I think so many people can relate to, you know, and especially, so Bonnie, you and I, I would say have similar clients and Jenna as well, but we yeah. focus a lot on disordered eaters and what, 99% of the time I'm throwing a random number out there. There's some family trauma or something mm -hmm. involved with a parent, a sister, a husband, mm -hmm. a boyfriend, um, something. And so being able to and a lot of my clients, I look at, they're like 50 years old and they're talking about their childhood and they're like, oh my God, I had no idea that this had an effect on how I eat today. Mm -hmm. And it's, <laughs> food is yeah. so much more than just the nutrient value, right? There's so much more to it. Um, mm -hmm. I a, agree. A, a question I have for you, what, would you ever want to work with eating disorder or is that something you're... And I, I think you and I messaged about this, how we, we were both. Yeah. Okay. So like, is it, is it a seed that's been planted that you're thinking about or right now you feel comfortable with your clients? Where, where are you at with that? Right now, I really do enjoy the work that I do. I wouldn't say I would never consider working with eating disorder patients. Um, I just think that I need more maybe guidance if I were to get into that realm. 
Um, but it's, it's definitely something that might be on the horizon, but right now I am really happy with, with where I'm at and kind of preventing it instead of, um, you know, being more proactive about, about preventing the eating disorders, but you never know. I mean, uh, everything's kind of up in the air. (laughs) Well, let me ask both (laughs) of you this actually, because Sammy, what you just said, like triggered something in my brain. Like, wouldn't you say at this point, it's 2020 like most people have a history of disordered eating. Like, would you say that that's statistically mm-hmm. pretty true, right? And like in our episode one, which will have aired by the time this one has aired, you know, we discover how disordered, you know, our pasts were and maybe <laughs> didn't realize it until later in life. But I think that the work that's being done now and how social media can be so effective is sharing other people's stories so that more people can understand. I think there's a lot of shame that goes along with it. And that's why people don't have that like, oh my God, I need help moment. But the more we talk about it, I am so confident the more people are going to be like, it's time for me to get some help. And like, this isn't okay anymore. Oh, that makes me feel so much better. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I agree. Yeah. I think, I mean, how could I mean, the disordered eating is only going to continue to rise as diet culture, you know, prevails. So we know that like diet culture is so prominent and all these diets out there and the restrictions and whether it's a food new apps. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The apps. (laughs) And so it's just, it's so prevalent and it's so sad that it's so prevalent. But I think, I think you're very right, Jen. I think dietitians like us all coming together and like sharing your story and saying, I understand, I we've been there. And I know we've talked about this on past podcasts, but dietitians are generally like (laughs) white women with disordered eating. And so there, there needs to be diversity in the field of dietetics because we need people of all shapes, sizes, and colors understanding that eating disorder and disordered eating doesn't just stay in that kind of person. It's in everyone. Um, and, but yeah. And, but I feel like it's, I don't know if like this might skew our thought process, but if you think about it, all of us are kind of in the same Instagram world and we're all following the same kind of people who have a similar (laughs) story. So is it that we're just not diversified enough to see the other? I don't know. It's just something to think about. Let's make a goal right here. All of us (laughs) are going to go follow five new people and share it. Okay. (laughs) Maybe we'll share it in the notes um, for this episode as well. (laughs) I like that. Good plan. I think it's good because I think it's easy to, you know, you find people that you have a similar story with, you connect with, you have similarities too. Um, and so it's, it's a good, good thing to kind of look elsewhere, but mm-hmm. going back to Bonnie's story, cause I'm, I'm so interested. I just want to learn more. So, um, so with your story then did, was there, was, how did the, the name change? Like the first one to go from like, I think you went from low carb Bonnie to nutritionist Bonnie, right? So like, did you just have an epiphany when you woke up one day? Was it something that you were planning? Like, how did that change go? So I, I would say when I got through my first round of the audiobook, intuitive eating, I was, it it just, something just weighed on my heart. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. So I thought on it for like a month, but I knew that I couldn't keep my Instagram handle. I was like, this isn't wrong. I don't know where I need to go, but I know that I'm not, I don't need to do this. So Mm -hmm. uh, I did pretty much change my Instagram handle immediately when I had that epiphany. But at that time, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I would say it took me a few months 
to get really clear, now I am Diet Culture Rebel on Instagram, and I love it. This one's here to stay. (laughs) This one's sticking. Yeah. But it it takes a long time to really, you know, feel your calling and understand what what it is that you you know really want to do. And so that's that that's kind of what happened with me with with my story, but. Like I said, I I knew that I just couldn't live with it. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard. And I, and I was the one after a few glasses of wine when she was visiting that I was like, we need to change your Instagram handle right now. And, <laughs> and then her husband like was it. in the background being like, do you guys want to like think about this when you're sober? Like, this is expensive. I don't think you realize what you're doing. And I was like, shut up, Luke. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> That is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's so tough. I know for me, you know, cause I wasn't really, I wasn't connected with any dietitians on Instagram before I decided to just dive in and create a virtual private practice so when I thought about what I wanted to do I was like I guess weight loss because it's people say it's the most profitable area and I was like well I learned multiple ways in school how you can lose weight so I'm just going to choose low carb like that was literally exactly what brought me (laughs) that is it did you go through an archive and shame on me for not checking so I apologize but did you go through an archive like a lot of your old posts I did archive some that like some that I like can't live with on my feed, <laughs> but I did choose to keep some because I feel That's like, fair. you know, it's my story. It's yeah. my progression. And, yeah. Um, I love that. I'm only yeah. asking because I saw like an Instagram fight the other day between a couple dietitians. <laughs> like, well, back on your page, you should really archive yeah. this. And I was like, oh my God, do I need to archive my yeah. Oh, <laughs> we've definitely had people go way back in time on Dietitians of Palm Valley page. And I'm like, you know what? No, <laughs> like that's what it was. And do yeah. I support that now? Absolutely not. But you know, you learn from it and you can, uh, like, I don't think you need to like hide anything by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, make so then we're real. So then I let's, agree. yeah. So let's talk about where we're at now then. Yeah. So okay. We, yeah. Like the, who the is Diet Culture yeah. Rebel? <laughs> who is this rebel? Where did she come from? <laughs> All right. Well, I emerged after 27 years of not knowing what I wanted to do. <laughs> and here I am now. <laughs> as beautiful as ever, may we say. Yeah. Well, loving what I do. Um, but yeah, so now I really just help women ditch diet culture and learn to eat without the guilt or anxiety so that they can find food freedom and just live their life without having their poor relationship with food hold them back. And it is so much more rewarding. It's so much more enjoyable. <laughs> and that is what I do today. So yeah. I think the biggest takeaway so far in this episode for anybody listening is like, just because you were something in the past doesn't mean you have to be it forever. And that can apply to anything, but like you look so happy and like, we'll (laughs) share some of this video at some point so people can see your smile. Like you look so happy and free and like you love what you do. And that's because you're honoring your morals. Right. And like Mm -hmm. what makes you feel good. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to what you truly believe in and what you want to leave you know your legacy as like what do you want to look back on and be proud of of the work that you did that was something that I thought about because when I pivoted I wanted to I want to say I was at 16,000 followers something like that and I mean you know the fear was sinking in like I'm gonna lose followers they're gonna think I'm an imposter and a fraud and all of that stuff and I really thought about it and I was like, I can't keep living like this. So if, if you're doing something that you know in your heart just doesn't feel right, it's never gonna it's never gonna be authentic to you. 
And the best way to grow and really impact people is if you follow, you know, what you're truly passionate about, what you know is right. And that's how you can be your own authentic self and create the most impact. I, I think that's huge. Now, this question I just thought of, and I hope it's not uncomfortable, but it might be. But it just made me think of it because you said you were at 16,000 followers, right? And so you had built this following around the word low carb. So of course, like different people that were coming to you for nutrition information, it's one thing. How did that affect, like, were there any dietitians that were very, very strongly like pro weight loss that then like how did that affect like your relationship with them on Instagram or just relationship with them in general or if you don't mind sharing yeah I would say um they all were supportive of my change which was nice Mm -hmm. um we might not communicate as much as we had in the past but I would say that was the biggest change um but in general they were all pretty supportive so I hope that my transition and story has some sort of impact on them because I am a firm believer that almost every dietitian has some sort of like disorder eating past you know I just from all the dietitians I know um it I just believe that to be true so I hope that my message does uh stick with some of them but other than that there really wasn't a big change honestly um And that's really pretty much it. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. And I think that's where, you know, we see these like Instagram fights break out, right? Like it's crazy. And I don't know, but like, it's just, all the time. We, we see, see it, it but maybe yeah. other people like, don't even give a shit. Um, but I think I always say like, you're planting seeds, right? Like they saw a story of you before and now, and now it, like you've planted a seed with them and you're able to preach that message and they can look back and be like, oh, wow. Like, hmm. Like, I never thought about it that way. And mm-hmm. so I think that's really powerful. But yeah, I think owning your story is important because, yeah, I did pivot. And obviously, the approach that I had before was 100% different than what I do now. But owning it and be able, being able to explain why you pivoted is so important. And it, I think it really helps to build, you know, that authenticity with your, your following. Um, yeah, it's just, it's really powerful. And I think that, you know, followers can relate too because, they obviously my old following was really probably into dieting and weight loss and i hope that Mm -hmm. my story inspired them to kind of reflect on you know their own actions and behaviors and grow into um you know just having a different relationship with food yeah i think that's huge i can relate to that a lot because we did a pivot as well and before we pivoted, I was ready to leave the field of dietetics because I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Like, I, think I remember crap. talking to you one day and you were like laying down on a couch. I was like, I'm done. I'm, pl- I'm, I'm retiring early. Like I can't do this anymore. But, but you, just have enough, you know, you have enough people coming to you being like, why can't I lose weight? And they're like restricting yep. and they hate themselves and they hate their relationship <laughs> with food. And I'm like, oh, like, and then once you're like, oh, that's what I need to work on with them, not telling mm-hmm. them to eat less, it's a magical thing that happens. It's it a is. sell though too. And not that we need to yeah. be selling no. being like this, but it is a hard sell because a lot of people still don't understand. And when you turn on the TV and you know, there's a new app, maybe I won't say the name, that's new. promoting <laughs> anti thank you. That's promoting anti-diet <laughs> and it's not anti-diet, like it's a confusing space and it's hard to sell to people when everything is still showing like you should look like this and get this. And Mm -hmm. my question to you, Bonnie is 
you know, I think everybody has a different interpretation of what food freedom means. And I think yeah. that's what's so cool about it. But what is yours? That's a really great <laughs> question. I think for, for me, because I come from such a disordered past and, you know, so many women in my family do too. To me, I believe that food freedom is eating in a way that, you know, is uh, supportive to your health, supports your self-care, keeps you just literally healthy in general. That's what I think because so many women in my family were not healthy, period. Um, and not having the stress and anxiety around food, you know, not thinking about food all the time, just feeling free. So I guess you could say basically being healthy and feeling free. I love that. That's perfect. <laughs> then that's what I think that's where intuitive eating gets lost too, right? People are like, it's eat whatever you want, whenever you want. And all you eat right. is pizza, donuts and ice cream. And they forget that whole part that talks about gentle nutrition and eating with attunement and what feels good to your body. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think that's awesome. Cause I think a lot of times people think if you're anti-diet or if you're a diet culture rebel, right, you might hear the word <laughs> rebel and think like, Oh, yep. fuck that. I'm going to go eat 47 donuts. But yeah. that's not what that means, right? It's you have the permission to eat all foods, but you want to do what feels good to you. And being able to be in tune with what feels good. I think that's what mm -hmm. so many people are lacking because they followed so many diets years after years after years. Um, yeah, which, I agree. I, I, I love that. I think that's so true. The gentle nutrition part is there and it's often forgotten about, especially on the social media space where people just you know, see pictures of like donuts and pizza and ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge, huge part. So if you had to, we always like to end or kind of near the end of our podcast, we call it our nutrition tipsy. So like a tip <laughs> of our little play on words, like a tip or two or three, like, do you have any main, and I know this is really hard because you're talking to a large audience, but general tips, like one, two or three tips that you really have um, for people when they hear your message. Um, so are these listeners trying to adopt intuitive eating? Yeah, let's say, or just, just hear your message. Like if you're like, okay, these are my three main tips okay. to achieve, achieve food freedom. And, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say number one, read the intuitive eating book because it's going to expose you to so much that you have never before thought about or realized or understood. Yeah. And two, Check your social media and clean it up. Follow <laughs> accounts that support you in your journey and unfollow accounts that make you feel bad about yourself, make you want to lose weight, make you want to change your body. Um, and thirdly, ooh, what is this tip going to be? <laughs> um, focus on how different foods make you feel. So mm. instead of, um, you know, just eating what you think you should or what you think you shouldn't, test it out and see what foods that your body actually enjoys um, and, and just go from there. I love I that. Love that. Oh, and I love that you said, I love Twins. that you said be authentic too. Cause in my brain, I'm like, she authentic as fuck. Like that's the takeaway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I try to be finally now at this point, after a long time of not being authentic, here I am. Doesn't matter. You're here. Yeah. No. And yeah. we, we need, we need more Bonnie's in the space of dietetics for sure. And I do think, you know, I, hope and pray and think that there's many dietitians that are going to have a similar story to you that are right now mm -hmm. they feel stuck behind a facade of diet culture and they don't know how to get out. So I think people hearing this message today, I think you're going to help so many, not only people wanting to achieve food freedom, but even just dietitians or RDs to be like in a similar path as you. 
Um, I agree. So, so thank you for sharing. And you did it and you look how successful you are. And again, everyone's going to see how happy you are too. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Very true. Well, I, I am truly happy. So yeah, it's been great. It's been a great journey. That's awesome. So for everybody listening, how can they find you? What's the easiest way for them to get in touch with Bonnie? Instagram is where I hang out most and you can find me at diet.culture.rebel. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for getting on today's call, Bonnie. We've enjoyed your story and I know so many others will. um, And we look forward to continuing to follow along your journey. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Keep smiling, girl. Looks good (laughs) on you. (laughs) All right. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there, and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves, and follow along with us on social at What the Actual Fork Pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for a lot more fun. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.